The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We're doing a series um, called Come Follow Me, uh, really looking at who Jesus is, how he leads us, how we are called to follow him, to know him, to be like him, to live like him, you know, all the good things that comes along with knowing Jesus and and following him. So I'm excited about that. Um, as I get going, as I was looking tonight at this series, as, as we, uh, as I kick it off, which is kind of fun, um, I think I want to start with reading the text that I have for us tonight. And I'll ask Kels to pull it up on screen. It's from Luke chapter 2, verse 41 through 52. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can open them up. If you have your phones, you can look, or you can just look at the screen. Whatever works best for you. Now Jesus, that's not what it says. Now his parents, <laughs> it's usually the right answer. This time it wasn't. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year, the feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, Jesus, when he was 12 years old, they went according to the custom. And when the feast was ended and they were turning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be with the group, uh, they went a day's journey. But they had begun to search for him among their relatives and their acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. All who who heard were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he had spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Pray with me real quick. Father God, uh, I thank you for your text. I thank you for your scripture, God. I thank you for the ways that we are going to get to know Jesus tonight, the ways that we're going to get to know Jesus this summer, God. I just pray that you would um, bless our time, uh, continue to bless our time already. Um, I, I just can feel your presence here, God, and I just thank you for the night that we have already had, God, and I just pray that you would continue to reveal yourself to us as, as we dig into your scripture, your word a little bit more, God. Um, I pray that whatever is from you would be remembered whatever is from me would be forgot, God. And I just um, thank you that, that we get to know you and know your son, Jesus, more and more. We, we lift this night up to you in your name, Jesus. Amen. Um, so I'm going to get into that story a little bit more. But uh, as I was looking at that story, it actually reminded me of another story that I've been really, I love stories. I, I love them. That's part of why I asked you to share uh, your favorite memory so far of summer, because I feel like great memories produce great stories. And uh, usually a great memory goes along with a great story. And I'm all about a good story. And um, a story that I'm all about right now, <laughs> you can judge me, you can make fun of me, you can rebuke me, whatever you want. I love Game of Thrones yeah, it's it's a guilty pleasure. I nerd out on like three things in the world, like basketball, Jesus, and Game of Thrones. Um, it's not in that order. 
Definitely not in that order. Um, and, uh, and I, I really like, I remember when Game of Thrones became a big thing and I was not about it. I was like, this is so dumb. Like, what the heck? And then I had a group of friends that watched it every week and I wanted to hang out with them. And so to hang out with them, I would go watch the show and then kind of got hooked in. Um, but anyways, part of why I get encaptured with this story isn't necessarily, um, there's a lot of questionable things that go on in Game of Thrones, if you've seen it or read the books. Um, but what I do appreciate is George R. R. Martin, the guy that wrote the whole book series, I haven't read any of the books, I just watched the show, but he took a lot from like J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis, and he was a big fan of those guys, and he really learned how to write a good story. He really learned how to tell a phenomenal story. And, and his, the way he's crafted an entire universe in a world, and, and told a phenomenal, like I've said a lot, story, blows me away. It just blows me away. He does things, literarily that I haven't seen anybody else do. And one of the things that I appreciate that he does so well is misdirection and foreshadowing. And, and he will make you totally think that a story, that this story is all about one certain character, all about this one individual or this one story arc, and you'll be following it. You'll be, you'll be passionate about it. You'll be all about it. And then something crazy will happen and you realize, wow, it wasn't about that person at all. They just died. Shoot. <laughs> And then you have to like fall in love with somebody else because the person that was your favorite isn't there anymore. It was the worst. <laughs> I'm not going to give any big spoilers, don't worry. Um, but he's so good at that. And I think that like in this story, we're going to read, I'm going to dig into it a little bit more, but I think this is so, why this is so compelling in story, why misdirection is so compelling, why... Um, I, I get drawn into to Game of Thrones so much is, is yes, this, this idea that I can be going one direction and as I'm going that direction, I, I'm completely losing and, and not seeing the actual point. I'm missing what, what is actually being told, what's actually going on. Does that make sense? I think why that's compelling storytelling is because that's just like real life. So often we start heading down one road. We start heading down one direction. We start thinking we have it all together. We've got it figured out. We're looking in all the right places for life. We, we know what, what this world has to offer and what we have to offer it. And then boom, something happens and our life gets flipped, turned upside down like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. And nothing is the same, right? <laughs> I didn't even write that in there. That's good. Um, but like, doesn't that happen? Doesn't it happen in life? We start thinking that life is all about one thing, and then we find out, mm, no, it's actually about something else. Does that happen to you guys? Am I alone in this? Um, I love feedback if you have it. That's great. Um, and, and this story of, of Jesus and his parents, I think when we look at Mary and Joseph, I think we can relate a ton to them. Uh, but before I get into that, Part of why this, this hits me so hard is last summer, this is a summer series which is awesome, so I figured I'll talk about my summer last year a little bit. I got caught up with doing so much, so much. I was, I spoke at multiple camps, which is cool, bless you. I spoke at multiple camps. Emma Studley, you're a good future intern, Emma. Yeah, yeah blessings, blessings. 
uh, I got caught up doing so much last summer, and I thought it was all the right things, all good things. I spoke at a couple camps. I said yes to everything. I did program, so I was like the funny guy up front at another camp uh, called Side by Side. If you haven't heard of it, you should do it. You should look it up. Side by Side's awesome. Um, and as I was doing all these things, I was on committees for another camp, another weekend getaway. I was on another committee for the Martin Luther King Prayer Breakfast. I just, I literally said yes to everything because they were all good things. None of the things that I said yes to were bad things. And I got so caught up in thinking, this is what my summer's about. It's saying yes to all the good things that have been uh, presented to me. And as I say yes to all these things, and as I enter into to, to serving in all these ways and partnering with Jesus, sharing the gospel at these camps, giving kids, uh, the, the some of these kids, I, like I'm having conversations with them uh, at the camps that I'm speaking at, where this is the first time they've ever heard the gospel. This is the first time they've ever heard that Jesus loves them. And I get the opportunity to share that with them. That's so incredible. And, and as the summer went on, I became exhausted. I was, I was, um, I just, I had nothing left to give. And so I would go speak at these camps. I would go to these committee meetings. I would do all this. And then I'd get home and I was the worst roommate. I was a horrible son. I wasn't a very good boyfriend. I was a bad friend because I had nothing left in the tank. And, and, what convicted me in that moment is I had said yes to so many things that I lost, like, the point, the reason that I live here in Seattle. Like, a big reason that I live here is to be a good roommate, to, to be a good boyfriend, to be a good friend, to be present here. It's something I feel called to is being present in the place that I'm in. And I said yes to so many other things that seemed good at the time when they were offered to me that I lost the main point of why I lived in the city that I chose to live in. Does that make sense? As human beings, we're really good at this. We're really good at missing the point. We're really good at, 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 at taking a look at what's right in front of us, uh, seeking out life in all the wrong places, and latching on to that and missing the truth, missing the main point. That's what happened to me last summer, and I'm excited to talk a little bit more, so hopefully that doesn't happen to you this summer. I'm going to read this text a little bit more. Luke chapter 2, 41. Jesus and his parents uh, went to Jerusalem for the Passover. So what they did, they were going, the Passover, if you don't know, huge Jewish tradition. We're going to do a little exegesis. I love doing this. Exegesis is just a fancy word for saying we're going to look at the scripture, look at the Bible. Um, and so him and his parents went to Jerusalem. If you don't know what Passover is, Passover is just this Jewish holiday uh, that celebrates when um, the uh, uh, Israelite slaves were freed from Egypt. Uh, and there was this spirit that passed over, the spirit of death passed over them. Uh, go read it. It's in Exodus. Great book of the Bible. Um, and so this was a big deal. And so Jesus and his family, uh, being good Jews, went to Jerusalem to celebrate this. And everything was going on. This was a busy time. So Jerusalem was probably the biggest, not probably, is the biggest city in Israel. So uh, And so just imagine already the biggest city. So imagine, just think of Seattle. Imagine Washington, the state of Washington. Seattle's the biggest city. And imagine there's something so big going on here in Seattle that all the other cities, everyone from around uh, the rest of the state, just start coming into Seattle because there's this huge, big celebration going on. I don't know. 
know, whatever it might be. It might be a Beyonce concert. It might be Obama speaking. Um, I don't know. J. Cole has a concert on Monday. <laughs> it's probably not for the J. Cole concert, but that's all right. For those of you that care, he, uh, he went platinum without any features. Um, it's a meme. Check it out. Uh, picture this. This is Jerusalem. This is the scene that's being set. It's a big city that now has thousands, if not millions more people coming into it. And so there's a lot going on in this city. And there's a lot to get distracted by. And uh, Jesus's parents seemingly get distracted and lose sight of Jesus. Um, which there's a couple of things that are kind of crazy there. Um, one, he's 12. And I'm just thinking about when I was 12, my parents like probably would not have let me out of their sight in this setting, <laughs> which is just kind of goofy. Like just, I, I just think it's funny. I like, guess the first thing that stuck out to me is like, they lost him. Like they lost their son and they seemed really chill about it. Okay. Interesting. Um, so they lost, they lost Jesus. And so much so that they lost Jesus, they started to head home and were just kind of like, oh, yeah, whatever. He's probably around here somewhere. Very casual, very just like going about their day. Like, like, and that just tells me there was so much going on in this, this weekend, this, this Passover weekend that was happening. There was so much going on that, that they lost sight of the main thing that they were supposed to be, which was Jesus' parents. And, and they just kind of let him go. Does that make sense? And, and then this incredible thing happens. They notice that Jesus isn't there. It's incredible. They notice that Jesus is, is gone. Their son. They notice he isn't there. And what do they do? They begin to look for him. And as they begin to look for Jesus, where do they look? They look for all the relatives. They look with him with the relatives and the acquaintances. And they realize, he's not here. Now what do we do? Uh, they head back to Jerusalem because they realize he's not with them. And they go back to Jerusalem and they look for him for three days. So for three days, they're looking for their son. He's missing. They're probably panicking at this point. Um, I would imagine so. Imagine you lost like the most valuable thing in the world to you. Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Your car was missing. Um, your laptop, your cell phone. I don't know. Your wallet. Um, and you just think about how much you panic in those situations. Just amplify that because it's their son and he's uh, God's son. <laughs> Can you just imagine like Mary and Joseph? Oh, my goodness. We lost God's son. What are we going to tell God? Hey, God, um, we were celebrating Passover. That's good. Uh, but we lost Jesus. You want to give us a dream? Tell us, tell us, tell us where he's at. Um, that's probably what I would do, which might actually have been a good idea. Um, it's probably better than what they did. And so what they did was, it's interesting to me. They just went and, and looked everywhere, but then where do they find him? They find him in the temple. And, and, and then when they find him, they ask him, why did you do this to us? Why did you put us through this? Why did you leave? Why, like, why did you do this to us? And, and they says, I feel like this, um, it says that they were in great distress. I feel like that's the understatement of the century. Um, they were in great distress. Why did you put us through such great distress? Probably saying more than that. And his response is phenomenal. Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? 
So why do I go through all that talking about Mary and Joseph? Because that was me last summer. I was Mary and Joseph. I, I, I knew Jesus. I had a relationship with Jesus. I, I loved Jesus. And I got so caught up in the good things of life around me that I lost sight of Jesus. And then I started looking for him in all my yeses and all the things that I had committed to and all these things. And I wasn't finding him anywhere. And, and what does Jesus say? Why are you looking in all the wrong places? I think that's what he's telling them. You looked everywhere else, but I'm going to be with my father. I'm going to be where God is. I'm going to be in the temple. It's beautiful. And, and, and it's so cool to me because I think we do this all the time. We lose sight of Jesus in our life. It, it, there's, there's awesome passages where Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So a lot of times our life kind of gets off and we look for life in all the wrong places. We look in all the wrong places. We look everywhere but where we need to be. And Jesus says, it's simple. Look for where God is, the things of God. This is, we'll, we'll elaborate on that a little bit more. Uh, the things of God, where God is, where Jesus, where we can find him. But, but, but I need you to hear this. Mary and Joseph looked in all the wrong places for Jesus. They spent three whole days looking in all the wrong places. They spent half their trip probably looking in all the wrong places. And then they found him in the one place he said, I'm all, I'm, this is where I'm always going to be. I'm always going to be here. You can always find me here. Did you not, did you forget that I'm God's son? Did, did you forget everything that's gone on? I guess that's, I'm thinking like, yeah. It, it, and it says that they didn't understand at the moment, but then there's this incredible, incredible verse where it says, Mary treasured up all these things in her heart. And I think when, it's, when it says that, it says Mary started to remember she started to remember that it was the Holy Spirit that gave her that child, the Holy Spirit that gave her Jesus. Started to remember that Joseph had a dream that Herod was going to kill a bunch of babies. And so because of that, they fled. Started to remember that, that God had been blessing them every step of the way. That God had been with them. That this was God's son, not hers. And she treasured it. She started to remember whose son she was looking after, right? And as she remembered that, she treasured it in her heart. I think she started to learn from Jesus. And, and, and this, this is what I, what I think we can learn. I think we can learn that, that Jesus had a steadiness about himself at a young age. He knew what he was about. He knew whose he was. He knew that his place was where God was at, in God's house, in the temple. Can we get the next slide, Kels? We see this from his response to, to Mary and Joseph. Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? That's the most common translation, but there's another translation that says, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? That I must be doing the things that God does? That, that I have a purpose here that is greater than me just um, following you around? That he, he has, as his parents got caught up in all the busyness of the Passover celebration, he knew his place and his purpose. Right? At 12 years old, 
And we can fast forward a little bit. Next slide, please. To Luke 22, verse 42. And this is when Jesus is uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane before he is arrested and, and brutally murdered and crucified on the cross, before he dies for our sin, before he lives into his ultimate purpose uh, that, that he came to earth for. And we read these words that he, he prays to God the Father. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And when he says, not my will, but yours be done, he's saying, God, not my business, but your business be done. And I think it's so easy for us to read these words for us to read these words and start thinking that, that Jesus, he was God. He got it. He just, he just, he just had it natural. It came natural to do the right thing, to sacrifice, to know what God's business is. It just came natural to him. I think it's so easy. But look, both of these, both of these pieces of scripture come from the book of Luke. And scholars will say that the book of Luke focuses on Jesus's humanity way more than the other three books of, of, uh, the other three gospel books. And, and so when Luke is writing here, he's writing that Jesus is not only God, but he's also human. And you see the humanness in this statement. God, Take this away from me. But you know what? If, if it must be done, your will, not my will, be done. And it's no accident that Jesus is able to say this at the most trying moment of his life. When he faces death, when the stakes are at its very highest, it's no accident that he can say that here, that he knows his purpose, that he knows what business he is to be about. Because he'd been doing it since he was 12 years old. Since he was 12 years old, he knew what he was supposed to do. But it, it wasn't just innate in him. He had to practice it. See, we, we catch up to Jesus' story. When he's 30 years old, his baptism happens. That's where it, it, most, most books of the Bible begin, or most gospel narratives uh, have his, his birth, and then they jump to when he's 30. There's a whole bunch of years in between there. Luke is the only one that gives us a little glimpse into Jesus' childhood, and I think it's no accident. Just like... Um, it's no accident that that Luke, being the storyteller that he is, gives us a little foreshadowing of who Jesus is going to be. Gives us a little clue that Jesus is working to know God, is working to know God's purpose for his life. And he puts himself in the place that God is. He puts himself in proximity to, to God, his father. And, and I wonder if we get this little glimpse in the second chapter of Luke, of Jesus' childhood, so that we know that this is what Jesus is all about, that he is continually seeking out God his Father, continually seeking out God's purpose, God's business over his own, continually in the, in the most mundane situations, saying, God, what is your purpose? What is your business? Your will be done, not my will. It's, it's phenomenal. We see where everybody else is looking in the wrong places. Jesus is right where he needs to be. Mary and Joseph are looking everywhere else. Jesus is right where he needs to be. Then you fast forward to Luke 22, where everyone else is falling asleep. They're telling Jesus, no, you don't need to do this. You don't need to die. All his disciples are trying to talk him out of this. Uh, Peter is like, this is ridiculous. No one knows what's going on. But Jesus knows exactly what's going on. He comes before God his Father and says, God, your will be done not mine, when the stakes are at its highest. So what's that mean for us? We need, just like Jesus, when he's 12 years old, 
was practicing and learning to put himself in, in the places that God was at, to put himself in the places that God was doing God's business, to set aside his own business and step into what God's business was. Just like Jesus was training himself to do that when he was 12 years old, we need to start training ourselves to do that. We need to start learning God, what are you up to? What are you doing? How can I step into it? How can I be about your business? How do I take, how do I set aside what, what I think is the main point and, and step into what you say is the main point in, in the everyday mundane aspects of life so that when the stakes are at its highest, we can say, you know what? Not my will, but your will be done, God. Because we could do it when it was easy. If we can't do it when it's easy, how do we expect to do it when it's, when it's hard? Does that make sense? So the two things here, the two points, the two different aspects as we look at this story, there's, there's two points of view in this story. There's a point of view of Mary and Joseph, and then there's a point of view of Jesus. And, and so these are the things that I think we can learn from this. We can learn from Mary and Joseph that so often we look in the wrong places. So often we get so caught up in the busyness of life that we forget to step back, calm down, and just listen to where, what God's up to, where he's at. We, we take out our phones and look at Instagram instead of reading the Bible. I listen to a podcast about Game of Thrones and listen to, instead of listening to a sermon. It's true. I do it all the time. It's bad. We need to practice listening and hearing to know where God is at and what he's up to. Otherwise, we're going to be just like Mary and Joseph and looking every other place. And then what can we learn from Jesus? We can learn from Jesus how. How we can be in God's presence. How we can not look in the wrong places. He says, did you not know I would be in my father's house? Did you not know, another translation said, did you not know I would be in, in the temple? He was in the temple. And this incredible thing happens when Jesus dies and raises from the dead. Um, we become the temple. Uh, it says the Holy Spirit is spread upon us, and now we are the dwelling place of God. And what I love about this is just ask yourselves, I'll ask you right now, what are the things of God? Their grace. Their justice, reconciliation, redemption, forgiveness, love, joy, peace, thankfulness. These are all the things of God, right? These are things that, that God is all about, who God is. So wherever those things are happening, God is there. If ever you experience joy, God is there. Ask him, God, how are you? You're here. Show me where you're at. Show me what you're doing here. Wherever there's reconciliation, wherever there's justice, wherever there's grace, seek those things out. Run after them because God is going to be there. Learn to, to know where God is at in your life. There's also scripture that says that Jesus wept. There's also scripture that says that Jesus was... was with people at their lowest. So when there's, there's pain and destruction and death, that's when there's opportunities for that grace, that redemption, that joy and peace.
right? But if we haven't sought God out in the easy times, in the times where it's easy to see joy, easy to see grace, easy to see peace, easy to see redemption, how are we going to seek him out in the bad times? When things seem darkest, when it seems like there's no hope, we have to practice. We have to continue to, to train ourselves to make the main point the main point. Does that make sense? Amen. It's what Jesus did. It's what I believe Mary realized Jesus was doing and started to treasure up in her heart so that now she could live a little bit more like Jesus was. She started to follow Jesus a little more that day, which is funny because she'd already been, she'd known him probably better than anybody else. For 12 years, probably nobody in this world was closer to Jesus besides God the Father than Mary. And she missed the point. But then she learned, oh, I need to start, I need to start paying attention to where Jesus is going, to where Jesus is showing up. And Jesus says he shows up where God is. And where God is is where there's grace, joy, justice, all those things that I listed off, right? Does that make sense? So these are the two things we can, that, that I have for us to learn. It's easy to miss where God's at. And we have to practice learning where God's at. So what we're going to do right now is a little exercise uh, to practice. We're going to start right now. Um, I'm going to take us through this little exercise that I've really come to love. Uh, just a listening prayer. It's very simple. I hope you're not intimidated. Um, you shouldn't be. It's very easy. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to ask God to reveal some things to us. Very easy. Uh, and all you have to do is listen. First thing that comes to your head, listen. If, it, if the word could be popcorn, great. If it is, then say, now what? What do I do with that? And then see what happens. I don't know. I've heard crazier things. But, but part of why I'm doing this is because I want us to begin the practice uh, of learning how to listen. Learning how to seek God out. This is an easy time to do it. We're in a church. We've been singing some great worship songs. I've just talked about Jesus for 20 minutes, so our brains should be thinking about him. This is an easy time. And this is when we need to practice the most. Because then we can be prepared for the hard times. Right? So, if you bow your heads and pray with me, I'm going I'm to tell you right now, I'm going to ask God to reveal to us what is our plans, what's our busyness this summer. What's our business? And then I'm going to ask God to reveal to us what his business is this summer, right? Heavenly Father, God, I, I thank you that you're with us. I thank you for your scripture. I thank you for your son, Jesus, God. And uh, I just, I thank you that you speak to us still. I thank you that we can learn from Jesus, God. I thank you um, that, that we have the opportunity to just be in your presence, to hear from you and to know you more, God. And I just pray right now that you, whatever might be distracting us, you would, you would take that away, God. I pray that you would bring us to the right mindset, God, to hear you. Bring us to the right heart set, God. I pray that, that grace would just flow over this room, God, that no one would feel unworthy to hear your voice. Whatever the people may have done last night, this morning, today, this past weekend, that they would not feel condemnation from that, but would know your grace right now so they could be freed and released to hear what you have for them right now. God, because I believe that it is truth and it is good.
And God, I just pray right now that, that you would speak to us and you would reveal to us uh, where our priorities lie this summer. What what are we making the, the point? What are we making the main point of our summers, God? What is our personal business this summer? God, where are we missing the main point? Now, Father God, I, I, just, I just pray that, that you would reveal to us what your business is. God, what is the main point? What do you have for us this summer, God? For each person in this room, God, I pray right now you would speak the truth of what you have for them this summer. God, we thank you that you speak to us. And we pray that, that you would have spoken a word to us or more. Um, God, if, if we didn't hear anything, that is all right. Because uh, we trust that you're with us and you will reveal to us in due time. Uh, we praise in your name, Jesus. Amen. What I'm going to do right now is just have you guys share uh, with each other. Groups of two or three, no more than four. Um, and just share. What did you hear? The two, an- two questions to answer. What's your business? What's your personal business this summer? And what's God's business this summer? Make sense? Ready, go. If you guys are still talking about it, keep talking about it. Because this, this is the next step of this. Um, the reality is we were created to be in community. And, and, and this, is, this is the only way that we can continue to, to grow in this area of, of learning to listen to Jesus, learning to know him, is by sharing with each other. If, if I just do it by myself, I will lose sight of it. I will forget and I will get overwhelmed. But I need you guys to remind me of what I said, of what I'm talking about. So if I cut you off early, keep talking about it with each other afterwards. But this is the first step. Um, it, it's incredible. This, this, this story gives us incredible foreshadowing. That Jesus is someone who continues to position himself where God is. And then you see him do it throughout his whole ministry. He continues to put himself where God is, with what God is doing. And, and, and that's what we need to do. And that's what we're going to look at and do this summer. We're going to look at how Jesus puts himself where God is, how he leads people, how he, he serves people, how he is gracious and humble how he uh, resists temptation, how he lives his life in union and community with God. And this is the first step to it. This is our first step in learning to follow Jesus more this summer. I would encourage you to practice this. Exactly what we did tonight. Exactly what we did. It's an easy prayer. God, where am I losing sight of you? God, where are you? God, what do you have for me? Start asking. Start listening. I bet you he's going to start answering. And you're going to start to know more and more where he's at in your life. And more and more what his business is for you this summer.